The information in this podcast does not provide medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. It should not be used as a substitute for health care from a licensed healthcare professional. Consult with your healthcare provider for individualized treatment or before beginning any new program. Hello, and welcome to Well Wisconsin Radio, a podcast discussing health and well-being topics with experts from all around the state of Wisconsin. I'm your host, Renee Fox, and today my guest is Niham Ahmad, Professor and Vice Chair for Research in the Department of Dermatology in the School of Medicine and Public Health at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Dr. Ahmad, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about skin cancer prevention and treatment. Uh, thank you very much for uh, giving me this opportunity. Uh, I am very uh, excited today. Well, so glad you're here. Can you start our conversation today um, by telling us about the different types of skin cancers and the most common causes? So there are uh, three main types of skin cancer. One is melanoma, which is uh, less common but more aggressive skin cancer. Uh, it originates uh, in the pigment-producing cells, which are known as melanocytes uh, within the skin. And it can develop on any part of the body, including the areas that uh, are not actually exposed to the sun. Uh, then we have a basal cell carcinoma and a squamous cell carcinoma, which are often grouped together as non-melanoma skin cancers. Uh, these usually develop on sun-exposed areas like the face, scalp, neck, and uh, hand. And uh, the ultraviolet radiation, solar ultraviolet radiation, is the uh, major etiological factor for uh, all of these skin cancers. Hmm. So what factors you know, put us at higher risk for developing these different types of skin cancers that you just described? So, Rene, there are a number of factors that can contribute to our risk uh, of uh, developing skin cancer. So, as I said, sun exposure, uh, prolonged and uh, unprotected exposure to uh, solar ultraviolet radiation uh, is the major cause. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other factors are fair skin. People with a fair skin, light hair, uh, such as blonde or red hair, and light-colored eyes, blue or uh, green eyes, have less melanin, uh, mm-hmm. which provides uh, a natural protection against UV radiation. So these individuals are at a higher risk. History of sunburn. Um, uh, experiencing uh, multiple instance, instances of blistering sunburn, particularly during childhood and uh, adolescent age, increases the risk of skin cancer later in life. Family history of skin cancer, uh, so having a close family member such as parents, siblings, or or, or children uh, who has had skin cancer, that also is a factor. Mm -hmm. Uh, Previous diagnosis of uh, any any type of skin cancer puts uh, one at a higher risk uh, of developing another skin cancer. Having a large number of moles, uh, when I say large number, meaning more than 50 moles, Mm -hmm. or atypical moles that uh, increase, can also increase uh, the risk uh, for melanoma. 
in addition to that, weakened immune system. So, for example, due to medications such as medications um, um, for HIV and AIDS or medications that uh, other immunosuppressant medications uh, can heighten the risk for uh, of skin cancer. Um, if one has had a previous radiation exposure for uh, conditions like uh, acne or some some other type of cancer can increase the chances of developing skin cancer um, also certain occupations that involve prolonged sun exposure such as outdoor construction workers uh, or farming uh, those folks mm. have um, higher risk for developing skin cancer and ultimately the the risk for uh, developing skin cancer increases with age. Mm, interesting. So what are some things that we could do to lower our risk, particularly if we are in those occupations where we're outside, or maybe we're just trying to you know, spend time outdoors with our family? So how can we keep ourselves, our family, and uh, safe as we are spending time outside? Sure. So the most important thing is uh, applying sunscreen. So uh, use a broad spectrum sunscreen with a sun uh, protection factor, which is known as SPF of uh, uh, 30 or greater. Uh, limit uh, sun exposure and uh, seek shade wherever possible, whenever possible. Uh, stay in shade, especially during peak sunlight hours, which is um, somewhere between 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, time range. Um, Always wear protective clothing uh, and sunglasses, uh, dressing in loose-fitting long-sleeve shirts, uh, although I have uh, short sleeves today, <laughs> long <laughs> pants and hats. Uh, avoid tanning beds mm. and stay hydrated uh, as much as you can because it helps maintaining the, the overall health and elasticity of the skin. Yeah, great recommendations. And I've heard some people just express some hesitation around using sunscreens and just putting that on their skin based on number of ingredients included. Um, what information can you share with us about the ingredients that are in sunscreen? Is there anything also that we should just look out for? Yeah, so sunscreen ingredients can indeed be a topic of concern for some individuals. And it is very important to be informed about uh, the ingredients in uh, sunscreen products and understand their uh, efficacy and safety. So uh, I can give you some information about sunscreen ingredients uh, and what to look uh, out for. Uh, so there are two types of uh, ingredients, inorganic uh, or uh, physical uh, sunscreen ingredients. Uh, examples are uh, zinc oxides and titanium oxides, uh, which uh, form kind of a protective barrier on the skin surface. Uh, they are considered safe and are less likely to cause uh, skin irritation or allergic reaction. They provide broad spectrum protection and are effective against both ultraviolet A and ultraviolet B radiation. Both of these uh, radiation ranges are uh, responsible for skin cancer. Um, then the second uh, type of ingredients are uh, organic or chemical sunscreen uh, ingredients. And some examples examples are oxybenzone, um, oxyno, uh, oxynozate. Uh, um, what are the other ones I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting? I think homosalate. Uh, 
they absorb uh, UV radiation and convert it uh, into heat, which is then released from the skin. So the safety of some chemical sunscreen ingredients uh, has been debated and concerns have been raised uh, about their potential effect uh, on hormone disruption and skin irritation. However, extensive research and uh, especially by regulatory agencies uh, and laboratories such as uh, uh, FDA included in that have deemed these ingredients uh, safe uh, for use uh, in sunscreen. So uh, FDA approved sunscreen uh, are the best one to to choose from. Uh, so one should choose screens that are approved by FDA because they undergo rigorous testing. testing. Really helpful information. So are there other lifestyle behaviors that we should be embracing or avoiding to um, help further minimize our risk of developing skin cancer in addition to wearing that sunscreen? Sure. Uh, there are several lifestyle behaviors that can minimize your risk for developing skin cancer. So uh, avoid indoor tanning, as I mentioned before also. Uh, be mindful of medications. So some medications such as certain antibiotics, uh, antifungal drugs, and non-steroidal uh, anti-inflammatory drugs, which are known as NSAIDs, uh, can increase your skin sensitivity to sunlight. So if you take those medicine, don't don't go uh, out in sun. Uh, stay hydrated is is the mantra, you know, for the overall uh, skin health. Uh, follow a healthy diet, a balanced diet, which is uh, uh, rich in fruits, vegetables, whole grains, uh, lean proteins, provide essential nutrients and antioxidants that promote overall skin health. And antioxidant help uh, protect the skin from uh, free radicals, which can damage uh, the, the, the skin cells. Um, Quitting uh, smoking. Smoking damages the skin and accelerates the aging process, the skin aging process. Uh, regular exercise, uh, engaging in regular physical activity promotes overall uh, well-being, uh, including healthy skin. Mm. Uh, so, And also exercise improves circulation, which nourishes the skin and uh, aids in its natural defense mechanism. Um, also perform regular self-examinations and routine dermatological uh, dermatolo dermatologist visits. Uh, promote uh, sun-safe sun behavior, basically. Educate yourself and uh, your family, uh, friends, and community, and encourage them to uh, to to practice sun-safe behavior. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Love all of those great reasons for in following the healthy lifestyle, too. It's really, um, really amazing to think about how it does impact your skin, as well as many other health benefits. So say if we've had a long history of sunburns in the past, maybe in our childhood, we spent a lot of time outdoors and we're trying to be more mindful and protect our skin as we age. What steps can we take to minimize any potential damage and just further, you know, prevent our risk of cancer? Um, again, as I said uh, earlier, avoiding broad spectrum sunscreen with SPF of 30, uh, more than 30 on all exposed skin, even on cloudy days, mm -hmm. because uh, UV rays are there on even on cloudy days. So, and reapplying that sunscreen every two to three hours or more frequently uh, if you are sweating or if you are swimming, um, wearing protective clothing uh, between 10 to 4 p.m. Uh, time uh, uh, peak uh, sunlight hours uh, is very important. Regular skin checks, uh, 
you need to perform self-examination of your skin to monitor any changes, new moles, uh, uh, any suspicious spots. Uh, if you notice anything unusual, consult your doctor or dermatologist pro uh, promptly. Um, schedule routine dermatologist uh, visits and maintain overall uh, skin health. Excellent. So how often should we be, you know, getting professional skin cancer screenings and should everyone go or is there, are there certain populations that should go more frequently? Um, yeah. So professional uh, screening uh, for the high risk individual is, is very important. So people with, uh, with the uh, high risk uh, um, conditions, which I already mm -hmm. uh, talked to you about, uh, should uh, consider frequent uh, regular professional skin cancer screening. So talk to your dermatologist right away, and maybe maybe uh, on a uh, yearly basis at least. Uh, and for general population, uh, for individuals without specific risk factors. Uh, it is recommended to be aware of any skin changes uh, in your any changes in your skin and perform self uh, examination regularly uh, if you notice any concerning sign or changes uh, then consult your uh, pcp or your dermatologist uh, and uh, at at your yearly visit with with your doctor your pcp um, you know you should be looked for your skin should be checked for any possible changes Nice. So if we are diagnosed with a non-melanoma type of skin cancer that you described earlier, um, what does treatment typically involve? Yeah, so there are a number of treatment options for non-melanoma skin cancer. And uh, the, the easiest one and the most common one is the surgical excision. So the dermatologist uh, will look at your skin, anything there, they will remove it surgically and uh, send it out for pathology to check the, what kind of skin cancer it is. Um, then we also have Mohs surgery. Mohs micrographic surgery is a kind of a, a specialized uh, technique uh, that is used to treat skin cancer, particularly for, for the cancers on the face or other areas where uh, tissue preservation is critical. Mm. Uh, so it involves removing thin layers of skin one at a time mm. and examining them under a microscope uh, until no cancer cells are detected. Uh, that ensures the minimal damage to healthy tissues such as such as on your face or uh, on your nose. So uh, that is a uh, uh, in fact, one technique, most surgery that was invented here in uh, our University of Wisconsin in dermatology department by Dr. Frederick Mose mm. a long time ago. Uh, the other uh, treatment options are uh, electrodissection, uh, curettage, where uh, the, the tumor is scraped uh, with a with a curate, which is a spoon-shaped instrument, and then uh, using an electric uh, needle to destroy any remaining uh, cancer cells and control bleeding. Uh, this is common for uh, smaller uh, basal cell carcinoma and squamous cell carcinomas. We also have radiation therapy. Uh, sometimes topical uh, medication are used uh, for some superficial form of uh, uh, non-melanoma skin cancers. Um, cryotherapy is used uh, that involves uh, 
basically freezing the cancer cell with liquid nitrogen, mm -hmm. uh, and th that causes them to die and uh, and kind of uh, shed off. Uh, this is commonly used for small BCCs and SCCs, and also precancerous lesions such as actinic keratosis. Then uh, there is a technique, uh, not very uh, often used, but uh, sometimes it's used known as photodynamic therapy or PDT. Mm. So PDT involves applying a photosensitizing agent to a skin and then exposing that skin to a specific wavelength of uh, uh, light. The agent is uh, selectively absorbed by uh, the uh, uh, cancer cells. And when uh, it is activated by light, it destroys the cancer cells. Wow. Thank you for describing those. Now let's shift gears and talk about uh, melanoma. So when someone has a diagnosis of this type of cancer, what treatments are typically available for those patients? Yeah. So uh, treatment for melanoma can vary depending on the stage of disease and individual factors. Uh, and again, a number of options are available currently. Surgery is a primary treatment for localized melanoma. Uh, An extent of surgery depends on the stage, you know, stage one versus stage two, mm. how deep the sur sur surgery has to be done. Then we also have uh, immunotherapy. Immunotherapy is kind of, uh, you know, um, newer uh, treatment and that helps uh, to stimulate the body's immune system to recognize and attack cancer cells. Several types of immunotherapies may be used to treat melanoma, um, which includes uh, interleukins. Interleukin uh, or IL-2 is a type of immunotherapy that, that uh, stimulates the immune system to, to attack cancer cells. Um, uh, it is typically used for advanced uh, cases of melanoma. We also have checkpoint inhibitors. These drug, drugs uh, target specific molecules that act as checkpoint on immune cells, mm -hmm. allowing the immune cell system to recognize and attack cancer cells more effectively. And this is pretty new uh, treatment uh, strategy. Then uh, recently in the last uh, couple of decades, we have, have uh, had targeted therapy. Uh, these uh, drugs uh, work to block the activity of a specific molecule, mm -hmm. uh, which is involved in cancer growth and spread. Um, Targeted therapy is uh, used for melanomas with specific gene mutations. Uh, an example is BRAF mutation. So uh, FDA approved uh, BRAF inhibitors for BRAF mutant melanomas uh, not, not too long ago. Uh, we also have radiation therapy and chemotherapy that can, uh, can be used for, uh, you know, for uh, melanoma treatment. Mm. Can you talk about the research and clinical trials that the doctors and scientists are leading at UW Health? And do those include any of the examples you just talked about? And then, and how is this work um, just, you know, collectively helping advance melanoma care? Mm -hmm. So a number of research areas and research endeavors uh, uh, in the field of melanoma uh, often focus on various, uh, you know, re researchers focus on various areas. Some of them are uh, genetic and molecular studies uh, where researchers are investigating the genetic and molecular mechanisms underlying melanoma development, progression, and response to treatment. Uh, 
This knowledge helps in identifying potential targets for therapy and developing personalized uh, treatment approaches. Uh, we are also doing uh, lots of research in immunotherapy and targeted therapies areas. Uh, studies are being conducted to develop and also to refine immunotherapy approaches, such as uh, uh, I mentioned before, checkpoint inhibitors. Uh, the targeted therapies that specifically target uh, genetic mutations found in melanoma or other, other proteins or, or genes which are dysregulated in melanoma. And these treatments uh, have, in fact, revolutionized uh, uh, melanoma care in recent years. Um, Early detection and screening is another area where uh, researchers aim to improve the, uh, the early detection of melanoma through uh, development of uh, uh, screening methods, new screening methods, uh, novel diagnostic tools, and biomarkers that can identify individuals at high risk uh, for melanoma or detect the disease uh, at its earliest stage. Um, some research is also ongoing on survivorship and quality of life, where researchers investigate ways to improve the quality of life for melanoma survivors through studies focused on survivorship care, uh, psychological support, um, management of uh, treatment side effects, and long-term monitoring of patients. Mm. So those are the areas which uh, UW and other uh, researchers are also working on. Oh, wonderful. Can you talk a little bit more about like any stories about a patient that, you know, has participated in your clinical trials and how, um, you know, that has helped save that patient's life or improve their quality of life, as you mentioned? Faculty are involved in multiple single and multi-center multi phase one uh, through phase three clinical trials uh, right now. And we are also participating in uh, translational research, evaluating uh, blood-based biomarkers to predict immunotherapy response uh, or resistance for advanced stage melanoma. Um, uh, if I remember correctly, recently there was uh, uh, in in the media and in news uh, there was a story about uh, uh, UW being a part of or conducting a canine melanoma study with uh, with some initial success. So uh, that was uh, being done at UW Veterinary uh, School in collaboration with uh, with the SMPH, where uh, where uh, the investigators were are in fact currently. Uh, uh, trying to find new uh, uh, immunotherapy for uh, uh, for canine melanoma with some initial success. So that I remember that story, uh, how um, the the family of the that patient uh, canine patient was very happy with the, with the initial uh, results of uh, late stage melanoma. Wow, interesting. You know, I'm not as familiar with hearing about canine um, cancers in terms of skin cancers. How how do those signs and symptoms appear? Like, what would a pet owner look for in that situation? Uh, it's again, uh, you know, melanoma is very typical melanoma and uh, and other skin cancers, but melanoma is basically uh, the the any changes in the skin. But in these cases, uh, I think dogs ha also have, and I'm not an expert on that, so I, 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 I uh, don't know for sure, but dogs have uh, the melanomas in their mouth. 
uh, a lot of that. Yeah. So uh, again, I'm not an expert. Maybe um, you need to find uh, an expert in that area <laughs> someday. <laughs> yeah, that's very interesting, though. Wow. Any other just final recommendations um, that you have for our listeners um, or any resources that you'd like to point um, our audience to? And we can include those in the show notes. Uh, yeah, American Skin Association uh, on their website, uh, they have lots of good information. Uh, and uh, uh, always, always when when you talk about cancer, National Cancer Institute or NIH uh, has very good uh, website and they have resources and uh, um, link to other play, other resources where uh, you can find a lot of information about uh, uh, any type of cancer, including skin cancers. Thank you so much. Really appreciate those resources. Appreciate your time today and just exploring this topic. Indeed, it's a pleasure to be here today. Thank you. Do you have a goal to improve your skin health, get more sleep, or change your eating habits? When it comes to making changes, we can all use some help. A WebMD health coach can be the beneficial guide you need to get the real results you're looking for. Hear how coaching impacted a fellow Well Wisconsin participant's life. Hi, I just wanted to thank the health coaching for uh, helping me uh, li- live a healthier life. Um, I I started uh, with the health coaching uh, 15 months ago. At that point, it was 178.2. Today, I was one uh, 158. I lost over 20 pounds in that time, and I, I feel a lot healthier. And with the good advice on uh, the things I'm doing and what I need to add and what I need to remove to uh, live a healthier life has been very effective. Knowing that you're accountable to somebody uh, when you know they're going to call you in six weeks and you have goals to attain. And um, like today, for instance, I talked to Britt and he's given me a lot of extra information. Uh, gave me some new information that I wasn't aware of. Um, to help me, uh, you know, get down to my goal of 150. And uh, just know, knowing that you're accountable, you work towards, it's, it makes you uh, want to work harder to get to that goal. And that's very effective, very effective tool. And I'm very happy that this uh, service is, is provided. Um, so thank you. Thank you very much. WebMD coaches are trained health professionals ready to support you, whatever your goal. Get started today by calling 800-821-6591 or send a confidential message on webmdhealth.com forward slash wellwisconsin. Your mind and body are yours for life. Of all the things in life worthwhile to invest in, those are good ones to be purposeful about. Consider the Well Wisconsin program a reliable touchstone you can always fall back on to help you achieve your goals. Visit the Well Wisconsin portal at webmdhealth.com forward slash Well Wisconsin to get started today. You can earn a $150 Well Wisconsin incentive by completing a health assessment, health check, and well-being activity by October 13th, 2023. Earn credit for your well-being activity by listening to two episodes of Well Wisconsin Radio from Season 2 and then self-report this activity in the portal. Thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this show. You can find our survey in the Well Wisconsin portal and our transcripts and previous episodes at webmdhealthservices.com forward slash Well Wisconsin Radio. 
If you're listening to this podcast on your platform of choice, be sure to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. 